Every lady needs a hobby. A Miss Fisher's Murder Mystery Podcast. I'm Mackenzie. I'm Genevieve. This week, we are reviewing Season 2, Episode 12. Unnatural Habits. Um, so what did you think of this episode? I really, I mean, I like this episode. It's also a very sad episode for, like, the plot. Um, but we see Sidney Fletcher and um, George Sanderson get their comeuppance, which is a little bit satisfying, I have to admit. Yeah, I enjoy it for that reason as well. And it's a great episode for sexual tension. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it's just a really well-done episode in almost every way. So it's one of the better episodes, frankly. Yeah, I definitely would put it, like, in my top five, probably. Yeah, for sure. It just make, like it just makes more sense, I think, than sometimes they do. <laughs> And I really like I really like the character Mary. Like she has a lot of spunk, and I love how she just like sasses everyone. And yeah, she has a great spirit for given the like circumstances she's in. So I appreciate her. Yeah, and I love that Miss Fisher kind of rescues her. And it's also an episode where um, Aunt Prudence gets to do some growing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a Mr. Butler interlude that's enjoyable. You know, Dot yes. is in mystery solving mode. Like it's good. Yes, it's a great episode. Um, so, yeah. So, um, this episode features an unusually not cold open in which Dot and Hugh are fishing and they reel in a body. Yeah, and then Hugh tells Dot to turn her back when she realizes it's a body, but then he almost throws up. So, I just feel like maybe Dot would have actually been better at dealing with it. <laughs> Yeah, I love that he's like always like constantly trying to protect her. Like he wouldn't want he didn't want her to come into the factory in that mm-hmm. episode either. Um, but he himself is just like totally nauseated. But I mean, it is incredibly disturbing. I, I don't mean to minimize the the disturbing nature of this, but um, yeah, I guess like if I was a police woman and I was like out fishing with Dan and we reeled in a body I would be like I'm the professional crime solver here so like I should be expected to be able to see a body but you should turn your back so that you don't have to yes. see it yes. um also before that the they fished the body up they're discussing their honeymoon and they're talking about going to Sorrento which I looked up it's a town in southern Italy wow that's a big which I thought of them yeah quite a honeymoon does where do they go on their honeymoon is that ever specified I don't is think it so. Morocco <laughs> I feel like maybe I feel like there's gonna be a honeymoon subplot in the movie maybe I hope so or I if, hope so if, if there's not a honeymoon subplot there's definitely gonna be a pregnancy maybe I don't know I, I feel well, like yeah I don't know if a movie can feature a giving birth scene in the climax of the film then they'll do it <laughs> Like, I feel, I mean, come on, there's like, this episode itself features that. True. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, um, so the body that they reel in has leeches on its face. Um, and my question is, will leeches attach to a dead body? Well, I think so, because there's still blood in it. Well, I Googled it. <laughs> okay. I, I just get answered it. blindly, so that's <laughs> my approach. I mean, I kind of set that trap for you. Um, but yeah, I couldn't get a totally clear answer. The The consensus I found was probably not because mm-hmm. the leeches rely on the blood just kind of like pumping out into their little leech mouths. And that would stop once the body is dead. And also, like, I think the blood starts to coagulate, which would just make it significantly harder for them to suck the blood. Interesting. So... They probably, okay. But she hadn't been dead for that long, so who knows. So yeah, maybe they had attached when she was still alive. If we have any um, 
forensic experts out there that would know the answer to this, please let us know. But, but, it, wait, but she was it. killed. She was killed and then thrown overboard. So there's no way the leeches would have attacked attached while she was still alive. Yeah, but maybe just because like she wasn't, you know, long dead, her blood would right, have like the blood is still the surface. But I don't think. I mean, I assume that if you cut a dead body, like the blood wouldn't pump out of it. So like I, I guess the maybe the bleeding would be less severe. Although wouldn't your it probably takes some time for your heart to stop beating. I suppose. But, I mean, isn't that death when your heart stops beating? Like, you're not really dead until then? Well, no, because if someone doesn't have a pulse, I just took CPR. If someone doesn't have a pulse, you can still do CPR. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, like... But your blood wouldn't be flowing anymore if you don't have a pulse. That's the whole point. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, if your heart is not beating... Like, if your heart is beating, then you're not dead. But I'm saying, just because your heart isn't beating doesn't mean you're dead. Because you can perform CPR on someone and they are alive that's true yeah. but that's sort of the opposite anyway i think we're on quite a tangent here regarding <laughs> yes all right so then next <laughs> next uh, episode yes next up um dot and miss fisher show up at the morgue for a double date uh, <laughs> where jack and hugh are examining a now much flakier body unclear why she becomes more flaky um <laughs> and dot wants to examine the quote scapula to see what school or, like, convent this girl belongs to, but she can't figure it out. Um, so I looked this up. It's a scapular. Oh, a scapular. Yep, and it's a cloth. It's the cloth tag that's hanging around her neck. So it's a devotional scapular. So one panel hangs in the front, one panel hangs in the back. And it's smaller than a monastic scapular, which is a larger garment. It's almost like a robe that's worn over, like, over like priest robes. <clears throat> Um, so sometimes it'd be specific, but yeah, like you said, Dot recognizes it, but it's not, it's a really common one, so it doesn't really help. Um, but she does recognize another tag in the clothing as belonging to the convent that does the household's laundry, the fallen and friendless girls. At the Magdalene Laundry of the Sisters of the Holy Miracle. Yes. I actually, I thought she was saying Maudlin Laundry, and I was like, Maudlin? This is why, turn the subtitles on. I did turn the subtitles okay. to, to check that, and I was like, Magdalene. Um, but, yeah. Should we name our metal band the Fallen and Friendless Girls? Yes. <laughs> I have a um, lot of friends, though. So Jack and Miss Fisher head off to said convent where they meet some creepy nuns. Well, I don't. they don't head there together. <laughs> yeah, Miss Fisher sort of shows up. Yeah. <laughs> I like that she went for the all-white outfit. Like, was that to appeal to the nuns or to sort of spit in their faces? What do you think? Yeah, um, probably the latter. <laughs> I just make sure being like, what do you think? What says convent, Dot? Like, the the purity outfit or? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, it's funny because when they show up and they talk, they're talking to the Holy Mother, and um, she's like, well, there's no poli- police woman, so I'll have to do and then she makes a very suggestive aside to, to Jack about how he'd never get her in the policeman's uniform unless he cuffed her. And he <laughs> smirks. He smirks. <laughs> well, I mean, I assume that's going to be in the film. So Oof, I hope so. We should, we should start a list because I'm worried they're not going to include all these things that we want. <laughs> or any of these things that we want. <laughs> Um, so I have noted that Perpetua looks like a particular freak. Like, this lady's got villain written all over her. Yeah, you kind of know right away. Yeah. 
Um, so we find out that Bernadette, the missing girl, or the murdered girl, was an orphan. Um, she was placed uh, at a hotel for employment, but came running back, quote, hysterical, and then disappeared later that night. Uh, and I also noted somebody's lying, because they seem they seem like they're lying. <laughs> nope. Pretty, pretty um, straightforward. I also don't. I also don't think, like, I think basically they don't realize that she's dead until Jack tells them that they found a dead body. Yeah, they just know that she's missing, and then yeah. they, they're informed that she's died. Also, we get a great, like, exchange in this scene where Sister Dominica, like, after Friday introduces herself, is like, oh, we do your laundry, don't we? And then she refuses to shake her hand. Is that because she's been washing her underwear and she thinks yeah. she's, like, a dirty slut? Yeah, I think, I think, um... I think maybe Miss Fisher's laundry like indicates something about her activities. The nuns yeah. are judged not. by the nuns. And then my I assumed that they recognize like that nun recognized her clothing and that was how she knew, but I think that's not the case. She just knows her name. Yeah. Um so uh the laundry tour is up next. Um seems like a super awful place to be. <laughs> Um, and then I actually have, because I've been I've been reading this book about the Victorian era, which I know this isn't the Victorian era, but I think that a lot of it is still relevant. So this book actually has a full chapter on the topic of laundry, um, which I don't, I'm not going to read. But, I was going to um, say, readers, Mackenzie has picked up a book, and it's open. So, get, <laughs> so buckle up. I just want to read it a short passage. Um, Perhaps the job most loathed by Victorian womanhood was doing the laundry. Anyone who could afford to pay someone else to do it for them did. Laundry involved hard physical toil and enormous disruption to the usual routine. And then the chapter goes on to describe how this is a full day affair that mostly involves lugging around huge tubs of heavy hot water, like just steaming hot water, physical labor to like agitate the wash. Um, And then the last thing, um, she notes, she notes, my own historical laundry experiences have led me to see the powered washing machine as one of the great bulwarks of women's liberation, an invention that can sit alongside contraception and the vote and the direct impact it has had on changing women's lives, which sounds like hyperbole. But after reading this chapter, it seems very true to me. Yeah. And well, and so I looked up these Magdalene laundries and they were apparently really like in Ireland, they were a big deal. And like, um, like, a lot of abuse was happening at them. They found, like, an unmarked grave with, like, 155 bodies at one of these oh laundries God. in Ireland. And so I looked it up, like, how prevalent they were in Australia. And in Australia, so basically from the 1890s to the 1960s. So, again, this is, like, when the washing machine became more prevalent. Uh, most Australian state capitals had a large Roman Catholic convent that contained a commercial laundry where the work was done by teenage girls and the girls were committed either voluntarily or involuntary for reasons such as being destitute or uncontrollable as judged by male family members or picked up by the police so yeah not a great system yikes and i mean it looks awful in this scene well yeah they're all very distressed it kind of all has bruises and like they're it's not a good not a good place yeah um and then when they go to the penitence room and we first encounter Mary, uh, uh, I think she the the nun is like relieves her from the penitence room to go work the mangle, which um, is also mentioned in this chapter and is basically like a, it's kind of like a ringer, um, but like it, it sort of looked the same, but it was more for like pressing. <sighs> so she would have been like cranking this giant press um, that would have like pressed out wrinkles and stuff. Ugh. Anyway, 
Um, oh, and I think they were dangerous. Like you could get your fingers caught in there and they would just be totally crushed. Do you think that's where the word mangle comes from? Like maybe you get mangled. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. I mean, this in the book, it says in general, mangles were set at a much higher pressure than ringers and any fingers that got caught between the rollers were in peril. But this was actually considered a quite a labor saving device. This was like this invention was good, but I still wouldn't want to work one. Yeah, I'm I'm sitting here looking at my washer and dryer and just saying thank you for being there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's all I have on the topic of laundry. Um, yeah. So, but we also learned from Mary that they were not being paid for this this very intense and seemingly constant labor. So. Yeah, they just get to live in this charming convent for free. <laughs> Do you think they eat gourmet meals like gruel? Yeah, and and per, having Perpetua as a boss, whew, would not, yeah. not be into that. Yeah, she seems like she's been cast as Mean Lady One and Crazy Lady Two in like several films, probably. Probably <laughs> 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 the vibe. Yeah. Um. So then, Miss Fisher isn't a big fan of this revelation that her laundry people are not being paid uh so she departs pretty angrily and then we also find out in the scene that bernadette allegedly has climbed out the window by knotting up sheets mm-hmm. um because when she so she ran away from her placement at the federal hotel allegedly came to the convent and they put her in the room and then she escaped so so this is a lead into one of my favorite scenes in the whole show <laughs> The whole series, um, the tie scene. Oh wait, Jackson. wait, wait! Just before we, we get to discussing that in its full glory, mm-hmm. when Friday is being all indignant and um, he's um, he's just trying to like move on with the investigation and saying that he'll have to talk to the girls one on one, and uh, Perpetua is like, as long as your policewoman waits outside, and he says, I'd prefer her presence. Mm-hmm. Oh like, yeah. All right, and then and then Friday's like, I'd rather leave than keep my opinions to myself, and like stomps out. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was it was remarkable that Jack said he'd prefer her presence. He's he's definitely in this episode. He's like he's all in. They're a team. Oh yeah, he's fully committed at this point. Anyways, um, now we can move on to the, one of the best scenes ever. Yeah, yeah. So, um, back at City South, uh, we know that the sheets were not the true escape route because they were tied with what fools knots or something, thieves, or knots. thieves knots that would have just never, never would have held the weight of a young girl. Um, and Miss Fisher is using Jack's tie to demonstrate this, and then puts it back on him, and it's just the steamiest scene. Well, and he asks her, like, how do you know your knots? And she's like, well, there's this Portuguese sailor. He's like, enough, <laughs> enough. I don't want to hear any more about the Portuguese sailor. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, yeah, I don't think that uh, she was just tying his tie, of uh, the Portuguese <laughs> sailor. Um, but, yeah. It's a pretty steamy scene. Just like the look on Jack's face. It, there's so many times in this show where she is just like a snake charmer. And you could see his like sort of disorientation where he's just like, oh, oh, I can't think straight. Got to get my thoughts in order. Oh, you know, and this is like definitely one of them. And he's definitely it's like disheveled Jack almost. It's not it's not quite as smoldering as the Antony and Cleopatra scene. But it's it's disheveled Jack, like his his shirt collar is like up and like his ties off. And... Oh yeah, 
I mean, you've got to think that she purposely didn't bring a second scarf because she wanted him to take the tie off. You know, she was like, oh, I can get him to take his tie off if I tell him I need to borrow it, you know? And don't they have the sheets right there? Like, Oh, I don't know. It, the, the sheets are right there. They could have just, she could have showed him with the sheets. I'm just, the, the, the tie yeah. didn't need to come off, but it did need to come off for, for oh, a yeah. I mean, I feel like this is totally a romantic comedy scenario um, that is a bit unrealistic, but it's not like it's not like this thing just happens unrealistically. Um, because Miss Fisher, I feel like plans it out and she makes it happen. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah, is no, a, exactly a, a she's an active protagonist. She's like, how can I just pro- progress this romance? And then and then she's like just putting his tie back on, like it's just smoldering. And then who walks in but the deputy commissioner? I have him noted throughout as Captain Asshole. So (laughs) a better title, a better title. Yeah, just the first of two cock blocks that occur in this episode. So annoying. Um, And he has come with a warning to Jack to tread carefully in the convent, um, and that because of the trouble from the church. Um, O'Shaughnessy, an apparent incompetent, will be taking over the investigation. And Jack is very emphatic about how incompetent this guy is. And I don't, we don't get to meet O'Shaughnessy, but Jack really has nothing good to say about his work. Yeah, I don't think we ever at any point encounter another cop who is just who is portrayed as being competent. <laughs> no, it's only Jack and Hugh. And Hugh's like a little bit, you know, sometimes he's incompetent, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then also we find out that Captain Asshole is now chief commissioner for some reason because the other guy resigned. He had previously been the deputy chief. What could it be? What could be going on there? I wonder. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um. So then next up. Well, I also I also love so Friday leaves when the commissioner comes in and is like just like gives them a dirty look but she lurks outside in the hallway and just listens to she's just lurking and then she strides back in as soon as he leaves oh yeah i do love that we don't get to see what happens next with a tie but (laughs) well i mean jack's like a gentle flower so you gotta mesmerize him and then any interruption is enough to just knock him back to his senses oh jack jack all right so then we go back to Miss Fisher's house uh, where we are having tea with Aunt Prudence. Um, of course, Aunt Prudence knows all about the young delinquents because she's been placing them as maids, et cetera, in various rich households through this. What, what is it? G- Gratitude Girls? Gratitude. It's a fucking stupid name. Um, <laughs> offensive. Oh, I'm so grateful that you placed me as a maid where I have to work 80 hours a week. Anyway, um, so... Rich households such as Sydney Fletcher's. Um, but two of these girls have gone missing, including Prudence's own maid, the bespectacled Joan. Joan. Yep. She had a great flummery, too. A great flummery. More on that later. What did you? I meant to look up flummery. Did you look up what a flummery is? I didn't. I thought maybe Mackenzie will look this up. <laughs> I'll look well, it up right now. All right. It's a great word. Um, recently, okay, it's a... A sweet dish made with beaten eggs, milk, sugar, and flavorings. That that could be almost anything. That sounds like a meringue. Yeah, or like, it looks to me like it's a custard. Yeah. Um, They show it later in the episode when Mary is serving it to Aunt Prudence. And it looks, yeah, it's like a little pudding with like sauce on top. Yeah, like a custard or a mousse or pudding of some, some variety. 
So then, next up, Bert and Sess drive up to the convent and they're <laughs> dropping off a special early load of laundry, which is, of course, actually Miss Fisher in a basket. <laughs> like Cleopatra, she's sneaking in. Um, and then she is immediately spotted by Mary, who I sense is about to give us some clues. <laughs> clues? Which she does. Yeah. Yeah, some definite clues. Um, but first, uh, I think it's interesting that she, Miss Fisher sort of makes a joke about her name being Mary after the Virgin Mary. And she's, of course, obviously, like, heavily pregnant. And she says, this was the factory foreman's idea, not mine. Um, which I like that, you know, she's sort of just gently yeah. clapping back at Miss Fisher. Like, right. don't shame me, you yeah. know, because I think she's saying like she was raped by this factory yeah. foreman and now she's being treated like a scarlet woman and kept in the penitence room for a month for something she didn't do and she was actually a victim. Yeah. yeah. And they've named her at the convent. They, like what Perpetua called her was Ada, which was a saint who was a dedicated virgin. And it's just like, yeah. Oh yeah, right. It was Ada, not Mary. And that oh. she wasn't like worthy of having Mary's name. Sure. That's fucked up. <clears throat> yep. Times have changed a lot, but still not enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just think it's an interesting contrast with Miss Fisher, who's like living free and easy. Um, but she's always had the resources not to face any consequences. Like she wouldn't have ended up in right. a convent, you know. Right. And she can kind of get a not get away, but yeah, she can get away with with doing stuff that like wouldn't be. And like I like in this episode too, where Dot says a couple times, like this would have been me, like, unless I met you. Like, like, I don't know. It's just like, this was so easy for, not easy. That's not the right word. It was so likely that, like, if you didn't have resources, you would end up in situations like this. Yeah. Seems horrible. Um. So then Mary presents her evidence, which is that Joan and Bernadette were best friends until Joan was sent to work at Aunt Prudence's, or she calls her some. <laughs> A rich old battle axe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, little does she know that will soon be her. Uh, and uh, also she says that Bernadette was when Bernadette was brought back to the penitence room, she was begging them not to let him get her. And the him in question was a man in a black car. And she left a message. She carved 112 Devere into the wall using Joan's broken glasses, which are also in the room for some reason. Yes. Um, and then also important to note that Mary put Epsom salt in the pudding, causing the nuns to all shit themselves. <laughs> See, I like Mary. She's got, she's got some spunk. Yeah, that's why she's in the penitence room. <laughs> um, and at this point, Miss Fisher is caught and hauled in. <laughs> um, yeah, by Perpetua and Commissioner Sanderson again. <laughs> What's he doing there? Fucking suspicious asshole. Uh. Um, so then at City South, uh, Fletcher and ex-wife Rosie are waiting in the office. Your wife, your 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 ex-wife, sir, your ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, honestly, Dot, you could probably do better, but I still love him. Um, <laughs> so Jack is telling Hugh to send the autopsy results on to O Catholicy or what O'Shaughnessy. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, and Miss Fisher, Miss Fisher is brought in to the station and is berated by Captain Asshole when Rosie and Fletcher sort of waltz into the scene. Um, <laughs> he's so Sanderson specifically tells Jack to bring this woman to heel. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> 
it's a great episode for tension between oh, sort of the three of them, um, Fletcher and, or not Fletcher, Jack and Rosie and Miss Fisher. Um, and so then following this, uh, which I think in this scene is really just sort of a dirty look from Rosie is the, um, the sum of the tension. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think she says something later, but not in this scene. Yeah. So following this, we get a rare apology from Miss Fisher for getting Jack into trouble with the boss. And she says, don't be remorseful. It only confuses me. <laughs> Which is such a great line. Oh, my goodness. It's so good. <laughs> yes. But it was all worth it because of all the clues Miss Fisher found. Um, and then this spurs Jack to call back the autopsy report. Don't send it on. Um, and it shows that the drowned, the woman drowned. And she also had salt water in her lungs and some red algae. Which means that, so if she had like jumped out the window at the convent, she would not have seawater in her lungs or this red algae, which is from further out. Yes. Very suspicious. Very. <laughs> Perhaps she was swimming in the saltwater pool at the convent. I don't remember them talking about that. Yeah, no, there's an infinity pool for the nuns to take their exercise away from <laughs> prying, prying male eyes. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so then back at the house, Sess and Bert are helping to figure out where she could have come from based on the lung contents. So some ship must have been nearby where she was dumped that she could have like just sucked up this seawater that's not typical of the region um and at this point mary shows up at the house having been aided in her escape from the convent by miss fisher's lock pick <laughs> so good yeah um no yeah no, never mind sorry nothing um and then next up miss fisher tries to pawn mary off on aunt prudence who does not want a maid in the family way and this is the passion fruit flummery scene <laughs> Which I just, I think, is just like, no. She just pushes it away. <laughs> Passion Absolutely. I should have guessed. Yeah. Um, I love, I think this is so well acted by her. I love the way she's like, I do enough. And I just, it's such a great scene where Franny is like laying on the guilt and they say charity starts at home. Like, <laughs> she really knows how to play on Aunt Prudence's weaknesses. So. Oh, is or her strength. Let's be. Yeah, honest. yeah, it's a strength, but she knows how to get to her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Bert and Sass were gonna head down to the docks to see if some family connection could tell them where the ship might have come from. Right, and then I think we find out that um, that this family relation with Sess's niece's husband. And husband. How, yeah. how old is Sess that he has nieces who are married? But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I mean, he might be forty. Yeah, I guess so. Well, or if you had siblings that were way older than you. Yeah. Or he could have just had a sibling who had a kid at 20 who then mm -hmm. had a kid. Yeah. Anyway, um, so down at the docks, uh, they're waiting. Sess and Bert, or sorry, Sess and Miss Fisher are waiting for Bert, who has been see speaking to Sess's niece's husband. <laughs> With a bribe from Miss Fisher. Yes. Um. And at City South, there's a, I like the, this nice juxtaposition where Jack and he were trying to figure out what this 112 DeVere is. They can't figure it out. It's not an address. When Bert comes stalking back up, followed by a car with 112 on the license plate, which is so too convenient. That's a clue! <laughs> That's a clue! Um, we find out that the ship is a merchant ship from Antwerp via the Red Sea. The captain is named DeVere, and that must be his fancy black car. Dun -dun! Blue salt. <laughs> <Sh> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I initially saw that and I was like, oh my God, I'm so smart for spotting this. I never saw that before. And then immediately it'd be like the whole, all the yeah, it. I'm like, oh, I thought it was like uncovering a secret clue, but it wasn't. <laughs> Very obvious clue. Yeah. Um, the ship is allegedly carrying sugar and has been in port for three weeks and will sail in another week. And I think we all know what's about to happen. Miss Fisher in a rowboat. <laughs> yep. Uh, someone needs to get on board and see if that's really carrying sugar. So, Fisher gets a rowboat. You know, there's there's work to do. <laughs> yep. Um. So, there, I also think it's funny. She rows up to this boat, the Pandaras, where there's a convenient rope ladder. Like, do you think ships just leave rope ladders hanging over the sides for people to board no. them? No, especially not if they were, like, smuggled, like, hum- engaged in human trafficking. They're not just having these conveniently placed, placed uh, rope ladders. No. Yeah, that's an escape route for a young, like, a- abductee. Yeah, how do they think, especially after Bernadette escaped? Yeah. Well, anyway, Miss Fisher climbs right up that in heels, of course, and the black oh, beret. Yep. Now, why does she do this during the day? It's, it seems like I, a nighttime activity. I thought that too, but I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it's just the busy docks and no one would notice a lady in heels in a rowboat climbing up the side of a, a yeah, merchant ship. Maybe not, but. There's probably know. hundreds of women like Friday just climbing onto ships. <laughs> <laughs> she would never be noticed. Yes. Um, so unnoticed, she creeps down around in the hold. She examines the cargo, which does indeed appear to be sugar. Um, she almost gets caught by the captain. Um, and like she picks up a telescope like she's going to fucking brain him with it. Um, I mean, she would have. She, yeah. she needed to. Yeah. Um, and then on the floor of his office or his cabin, she finds another tag from the laundry with hair in it that says Bernadette on it. Which, okay, this is just a really obvious clue. Like, like you, so you murder someone in your office. Do you take a minute to just, I don't know, make <laughs> sure all of their clothing and, and hair is gone? Yes. I, I mean, this is murder 101. I, I, I think that what probably happened is that he'd started to write a, a journal entry that said, today I killed Bernadette from the convent and threw her in the river. And then he was like, what am I doing? I have to destroy the evidence. And he just ripped that page out of his notebook. He threw it in the fire, but he forgot to pick up the, the hairy clothing tag with her name on it. Oh, so you're saying he was just, there's so many other clues he could have <laughs> left behind that he missed this one. Yeah, I think so. Probably. Maybe he was burning the videotape evidence that he took. Yeah, I'm sure that, I mean, they do have film. There's been several episodes of film. So. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, um, back at the house, Miss Fisher and Jack are speculating about how Bernadette could have ended up in his cabin. Um, and Jack is pretty hamstrung still by Captain Asshole, but he agrees to have suspects be interviewed at Miss Fisher's house. And apparently that means Rosie Fletcher and Aunt Prudence. <laughs> um. So first. Before old shiny suit shows up again, <laughs> I love this scene where her and Jack are talking because Jack is like, well, normally I would take this to Sanderson. And he's like genuinely asking Friny for advice on whether he should push Sanderson further. And he's sort of like, I think he's sort of, he's like, maybe I should, I should keep pushing on this. And she's like, um, no, you should keep your job. And I was just like, this is like an actual, they are just friends having a discussion about like, hey, what should I do? Like, 
I feel like I should go to my boss with this thing. And she's like, no, are you crazy? Like, I don't know. It's just like really, I don't know. It's not, it's a small thing, but I, in watching it this time, I'm like, wow, this is like the kind of conversation that you have with your friends and they're just having it in Friday's parlor. So. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's an important sort of thread that's picked up and is carried through a few episodes of the, like them just having genuine concern for each other. Like from, from here on out, there's several instances of like them telling each telling the other to be careful and like very obviously meaning it and you know yeah yeah it's nice yeah anyways so that old shiny suit and shiny hat rosie and Sid. <laughs> it is a shiny hat isn't it the shiny hat and he has that shiny suit on again and i'm just saying you can't trust a man with a shoot that suit that shiny you absolutely cannot it's just too no. shiny you can see a reflection in it <laughs> <laughs> So um, there's now there's some idle speculation about how she might have ended up on that ship or knew the captain. Fletch agrees to get a list of all the Gratitude Girl employers. And he's, he's looking a little worried in this scene. He's looking a little worried. Did you think so? I thought he was like, I was like, you know, I would have expected more sort of like waffling about from him. He's because they don't really start to suspect him at this point. You know? No, he's no, never they're suspect. not. But I think he's looking a little worried. But maybe I just. I'm just assuming that because I know he's the villain. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, and then they get up to leave and Rosie just is so satisfied with herself as she just like gives Miss Fisher the dirtiest look and says something like, what did she say? Like, you know, like, you've, you've really, really made things worse for Jack, you know. And she just gives her the shittiest look. And it's I like they're just really setting her up for the fall at the end, you know really just yeah twisting life. oh yep and then once she leaves prudence like turns to friday and she's like she's unusually devoted for an ex-wife don't you oh yeah <laughs> i was like it was such a bird from aunt prudence it's like yeah i don't know why she cares they're not even married anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love it like i feel like aunt prudence you know on the on principle does you know she's not in favor of like a some sort of out of wedlock romance between Jack and Franny, but she's ready to defend Franny from this unnecessary oh, yeah. abuse. Yeah, she's like, ugh, ugh, that's my niece. Anyway, well, I love that. And I think at this point, Prudence is getting used to Jack. That's she's, true. Like, she's called him your inspector, like all this stuff, so. That's true, yeah. <clears throat> um, And then later that night, um, Bert has news that the ship is suddenly about to set sail, so it's time to act. Um, Miss Fisher wants to head down there herself right away. Um, Jack just wants to tell Captain Asshole and tells her that it's too dangerous and she should stay home. But, like, good luck with that one, Jack. <laughs> she, he, Well, he says he, like, grabs her arm and is like, just this once, do what you're told. It's too dangerous. And then Friday, like, sits down and all her staff are kind of, like, looking at her expectantly for, like, a really long time. Oh, I love she's it. Like, she's like, he's right. It's more dangerous than we expected. And she, like, thinks about it. She's like... But I am well armed and an excellent shot. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dot will prepare a thermos of tea, and they're all gonna head down there. It's a family affair. Um, before so before they do that, uh, Mr. Butler pulls out his weapons collection for Bert and Seth to look at. So I did have I did make Rob watch this scene. Oh, um, I noted. Just, has has Rob ever watched this episode? I put that in my notes. Yeah. So I made him watch this scene specifically, and he had some he had some comments on the scene. Okay. So number one, <clears throat> Mr. Butler has terrible trigger control in this scene. So when he's like handling the guns, 
Um, so his finger is on the trigger, which Ooh. is like you would you would never do that. And he didn't check the the like he didn't take the magazine out or check the chamber to see if it was empty. And he's just like waving it around and has his finger literally on the trigger. <clears throat> um, however, Sass is really good with triggers of control, so he keeps his finger off the trigger, pulls the magazine out, and checks the chamber to see if it's empty. So Rob said. I bet that guy has handled guns before. <laughs> I, 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 I tried to look at I couldn't. I'm like, maybe he was in the army, but I couldn't find anything about him online. Um, well, his character then, was in the army. Right. That's what, but so was Mr. Butler's. Anyway. That's true. Yeah. Um, and then the gun that they talk about the most is the Mauser broom handle semi-automatic, which Rob said he'd heard of before, but he didn't recognize any of the other guns. So. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I wonder if they choreograph those scenes or if they just tell them to kind of pick up the guns and look at them and that actor who plays Sess was just like doing what he would do with a gun that's what rob thought because obviously if they'd been like like i think in some of the like action shows they have like people who are used to handling firearms like coach the actors on how to handle firearms but i doubt they did it for this like one one-off scene of miss fisher so yeah Maybe the actor who plays Tess has been in shows like that, right. and that's the whole explanation. Yeah. But all I know about him is that he's in a band. I can't remember anything yeah, else. Yeah, and I looked him up. I it was it, I, there wasn't a lot about him online. We should Doesn't say whether or not he's into come on the show. Oh yeah, find that online. I think we should lead by complimenting his trigger control. I mean, maybe butter him up. Yeah. Oh, so then. It, Next, there's a brief interlude where Jack is trying to tell Captain Asshole that he needs to act. Um, and Captain Asshole, maybe I should just go with Sanderson from this point forward. <laughs> Sanderson insists that he will be leading the raid himself. And if Jack doesn't let it go, then he will fire him, which seems a little harsh. Yeah. I also love in the scene, I just love, I mean, Jack's just such a great guy. And like, he's like, he like brings it, he's so earnest. And he like brings it to Sanderson. And like, we know that he was agonizing over whether to do this. And Sanderson's like, yes, it's enough, enough for a raid warrant. And he's like, great, let's go. Like, he's just like ready to go. And Sanderson's just like, yeah, but like, you don't need to worry about it. It's like, oh my goodness. Like, I don't know. But yeah. I just like, I, I, it makes me admire Jack even more. Cause he's like, all yeah. right, all right. We, we have the evidence. Let's, let's go. Let's get these guys. Yeah. I honestly feel like if my job were in jeopardy, I, I would be like, no, it's cool. Yeah, you're right. But my job is um, a mobile app developer. So there's never any, you know, underage girls at stake. It's just like, right. you know, it's the code. So it's, it's certainly lower pressure. <laughs> than being a police policewoman, yes. It's unlikely that I would uncover any corruption of any kind in my in my line of work. So yeah, well, <laughs> maybe a corrupted file, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> corrupted files. Anyway, real danger. Yeah. Um, and then of course Mary is about to give birth because everything has to happen all at once for drama <laughs> purposes. And then Mary is in labor, so I love his, like, Prudence and Mr. Butler just get right down down to business, and Prudence is sort of like, oh, oh, I guess this is happening, and then she, like, just like, all right, all right, we're doing this. <laughs> and then Mary's, like, all scared. She's like, it's not my time, it's not my time. Um, the, the nuns are going to take my baby, and Prudence is like, oh, I think not. <laughs> <laughs> not on my watch. Yeah. I'm going to have a cute little baby in my house. <laughs> And I will have the flummery. Um, <laughs> anyways, so down at the dock, Phryne and her, her armed armed gang arrive in the taxi. 
Um, and they leave Dot in the car and head out with the guns in hand. So they sneak aboard the ship and it seems really like suspiciously empty. Um, and then Bert makes some comments about how smugglers like know when, when their gig is up. And, uh, and Fry's like, well, how would you know? And he makes some comment about like smuggling in the champagne and the caviar for Miss Fisher. And she's like, oh, I thought you just got that at the market. <laughs> <laughs> and then my question is what, were, were they not allowed to like import French champagne or Russian caviar? I didn't look yeah. it up, but it seems yeah. like they were not allowed to have those things, like to import those things legally. Well, then there is a later episode where they allude to smuggling some caviar when they're in fact referring to like Bert's lady friend from the club. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's just like a reference to that or more not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it seems like that. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, Bert was a little familiar with the dealings of smugglers. Um, sure. So then on the ship, they do find Joan hiding. Um, so they rush her back to the car and they get back to the car and they're like, where's Phryne? Which I just want to say, this is not, this is, this is not by safety principle. You're not supposed to break up with your group when you're in dangerous situations, but Phryne has, has just stayed back on the ship. Oh yeah. And I want to note in this scene, I have just a lot of sympathy for Joan because she can't see anything because she doesn't have her glasses oh. on. You know, I would be blind as a bat without my glasses. I hope I never get kidnapped without my glasses. It's a nightmare scenario. And I feel like we've talked about this before, but I like worry. I'm like, if the civilization fell apart and my glasses broke, I would be done. I, I wouldn't survive. And I worry about this like constantly. And I'm actually considering LASIK just in case of the yeah. zombie apocalypse. Right. It's like, <laughs> I would be without my glasses you know what i think we need to do is we need to order a lot of copies of our glasses and hide them in secret mm-hmm. caches sort of around mm-hmm. the area so that in case there's some kind of event no matter where we end up we can go to one of our caches and find our glasses you know that's not actually a bad idea not maybe like buried cat but like i should keep some in my car so like if something happens i'm not able to get home i'd have them in my car and in my desk at work and maybe in my bag yeah Honestly, people are going to think we're crazy, but I might do that. <laughs> I know. Hey, look, I just took a wilderness first aid class and I feel like I'm going to start carrying a bunch of things around like gloves, little candies for blood sugar, <laughs> that and a CPR mask and all these things like, yeah, I don't, you know, you don't need the things until you need them. And there's some things that you're really going to need, like your glasses. Yeah, for sure. I mean. I can trace this fear back. I know exactly where it came from. It's when I read the book Station Eleven, which concerned a post-apocalyptic world. And there was a character who had lost his glasses and he was helpless like a blind little baby. And I, that will not be me. Exactly. I read that I read that book and had the same exact thought. All right. So Friday's given, given her, her crew the slip and is still on board the ship. Um, and back at the station, we get a little shot of Jack just pacing restlessly because he knows he knows this raid is going down. And I'm sure he probably knows that Phryne is somehow involved in there. She can't be stopped. She she can't be stopped, even with his, like, earnest, earnest entreaties. Um, so Phryne continues her snooping, and she finds, of course, a suspicious panel and a trap door, and she finds the other girls that are being smuggled on the ship. And then we hear a gun, like, cock. And who is it but Mr. Shiny Suit himself? What are you doing here, Shiny Suit? Eh, Shiny Suit. I didn't expect to meet you here. Anyways. 
gross. He's he's horrible. Um, so then back at the station, Jack and Hugh are still pacing around, but Hugh has tracked down the car and it is registered to SWF Exports, which they link to Sidney Fletcher, aka Mr. Shiny Suit. So Jack and Hugh have, are, are unraveling the mystery and Friny is just right in the middle of it. So Sydney ties up Friny and her and her associates from the car. Um, and we see Sanderson is has arrived at the ship, but but then Jack and Hugh arrive, and Jack is like questioning George about this the supposed raid that he's he's conducting because he's like, where's your manpower? And um, George is like, oh, it's all under control, it's all under control. And Jack is like, it is clearly not. And then Sanderson threatens to fire him again. And Jack is like, Hugh, you can go if you want, but I'm searching that ship. And Hugh, of course, sticks with Jack because he knows <laughs> he knows what's right. Um, and so then Jack, um, George, and Hugh get on the on board and start searching. So meanwhile, in the in the hold where everyone's tied up, Friday, of course, is always prepared, and she's smuggled a dagger in her stocking, which Bert grabs with his teeth. <laughs> And uses it to break their bonds. I love this scene where he's like <laughs> trying to pull her dress up with his teeth and then they <laughs> hand the dagger off mouth to mouth. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's just getting resourceful there. It's yep, it's teamwork. <laughs> <laughs> um so meanwhile the search is continuing. Um and then we see George spies a stray shoe, like one of the girl's shoes, and is trying to hide it. But Jack is on to him and finds it. And it's just, they have this, like, stare off. Oh, um, man. And then Jack finds Franny's lockpick and grabs Sanderson and, like, throws him up against the wall. It's like, what are you covering up? Um, and this is where Jack becomes, like, really concerned about Franny because he realizes that she's on board, even though he probably knew that all along. Yeah, and he actually says to Sanderson, where is she? Yeah, yeah. And then there's uh, a Franny, there's a, he does some Frannying. He says, Miss Fisher, and then he says Franny, like he's calling her name. Which he, he doesn't call her Franny very often. Yeah, only when he thinks she's in mortal peril. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Hugh handcuffs George to the post, and then they go off searching for Franny. And right as they find each other, shots ring out. And uh, there's some scuffles that ensue um, amongst the, the, the factions. And then Dot knocks out a man who's attacking Q, which is just fantastic. <laughs> and he's like, Dottie! Like Dottie, what are you doing here? Um, That's a terrible accent. <laughs> and then we get Friday, like, like, just punches a guy out. So there's just, like, fisticuffs everywhere. Um, and Sydney's on the run. And Franny almost catches him, but he makes it up to the bridge. He aims his gun at her, but then Jack arrives, shoots him, and he falls into the water. Um, he's not dead, though. He survived. He just got shot in the shoulder. He's flopping around like a fish. Exactly. <laughs> and then they have a discussion about how soon they're going to fish him out of the water. Yeah, <laughs> I was kind of hoping they'd, like, throw one of those life preservers over to him. You know, like, here you go. We'll fetch you out eventually. Yeah. Um, maybe they do that. They just don't show up. Maybe. Um, and then they, they usher the girls uh, off the boat and walk George Sanderson, AKA Captain Asshole off at gunpoint. They do fish Sydney out eventually. And, um, Friday gives her team a good well done at this point. She's like, good job, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. You know, they, they, they were, they were there for her and, 
in, you know, a pretty sticky situation. So she recognized that. She's a good boss, you know? Yeah, that's true. You know, I'm surprised that Hugh never gets angry at Miss Fisher for putting Dot in dangerous situations like that, you know? Yeah, but I think he knows Dot well enough to know that, like, I don't know, she wouldn't want to miss out on that stuff. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, plus, Dot we've already is- Dot is definitely the Hermione Granger of this relationship, and he was for sure Ron Weasley. Yeah, no, that's a good analogy. <laughs> Which makes Miss Fisher Professor McGonagall. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She's nothing like Professor she's, McGonagall. She's Harry Potter, I guess. <laughs> yeah, more there's like just, Harry Potter. There's a tiny bit of Rita Skeeter in there, too. Just a teeny, teeny <laughs> just a drop. Just a drop. Anyway. Um, this is why we need the Miss Fisher meets Harry Potter mashup. <laughs> yeah, I'll write that. I'll write that please pilot. Do, please do. Um, we should definitely, hopefully that one wins the poll, the listener poll, and then we can film that pilot and just make that whole show. Do you think we can get the rights to Harry Potter for like 20 bucks, right? Definitely. Yeah, we'll just take it out of our podcast budget. <laughs> Everyone buy more merch so that we can get the rights for this spinoff. Yeah, if we can sell... 10 tote bags we can buy the rights to harry potter (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um anyways so then down at the station they brought perpetua in for questioning about what's going on this this nunnery and she admits that devere the captain of the ship was paying her 10 pounds a piece for the girls which seems like not a very not very much money and it's just like the scuzziest arrangement and sydney would help pick the girls so he was like working on the gratitude board and oh it's just oh so gross so gross and she's like i was giving it all back to the church and they allude to the fact that she couldn't become a nun and i'm wondering why that was like why was she not able to become a nun yeah they don't really say that but maybe it was because she was like actively evil yeah she was too evil they had like an evil meter that they used to measure evilness and she couldn't pass that test i mean she did yeah. So they put her in charge of children. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's all just bad. It's all just bad. It's bad. <clears throat> and then the mother superior is like, it's your soul that's lost, Perpetua. Which is... <laughs> but it's like, okay, but you're in charge of this whole thing? Like... <sighs> yeah, like, maybe pay closer attention next time? <laughs> or maybe don't, like, run a laundry that, like, is performing wage theft on like destitute women i don't know oh god (laughs) um so then they also talk to joan and she talks about how she lost her glasses in the car and bernadette found them in the car because they were being transported in the same car um and then devere killed bernadette because she had already escaped once and, and just knew too much about the whole operation um so then here we meet again the box from the brothel that we uh, was part of the plot a few episodes ago. And this is where we, we find, which I didn't remember this when we reviewed that current episode, but a listener filled us in. And then when I was watching this, I was like, Oh, right. This is where the box comes back into play. So basically Fletcher paid for the box to be stolen and then was using it to like blackmail people basically. And to bargain with the chief commissioner to, to kind of keep, his this little human smuggling operation under wraps and to keep people from telling on him basically so he basically had the chief commissioner in his pocket but then george must have caught on to it but he couldn't be blackmailed because he um there wasn't anything of his in the box 
But Sidney promised to use the box to bring down the chief commissioner and bribe Sanderson into covering for him. Um, and so Sanderson, for some reason, falls for this this bribe and is like they're so they're presenting this to Sanderson and like kind of laying this out. And he's like, yeah, but you'll have to prove it. And they're like, we can, because Joan overheard you and Sydney having an argument at the gratitude dinner. And that's why Joan was abducted because she knew too much about the operation. She was not actually like one of the girls that was, that was being targeted for the smuggling. Yeah. And then this actually, I feel like, is a little bit of a weak point in the episode because then he's like, who's going to believe her word over mine? Which, like, you know, valid in the 20s, I think probably mm-hmm. people wouldn't have believed what appears to be like a 14-year-old <laughs> over the chief commissioner of police. And I would like to think that they have a great case, but it actually seems like it's a little risky. And it's, you know, in, in reality, I think Jack and Hugh just, like, risked their entire careers over it. And... Maybe I think in real life, probably he would have gotten off. Yeah, I mean, they don't actually show anything happening to him. Well, no, he gets no, he gets arrested. And but then, like, they I also mean, it, have Jack's evidence that like this raid, he didn't bring any manpower to this raid, and like that's true. Yeah, I just feel like in real life, when cops go yeah. on trial, like yeah, they never face any consequences. But anyway, this is fantasy, so. This is a television show, and it all really ties up neatly with the box from the brothel from earlier on. That's true. Um, a loose end, you might say, from the last yes. episode. Or not the last, but that yeah, the so brothel episode. Yeah. So then, out in the lobby, poor Rosie. She's just... Inconsolable. Not to ruin who had the worst week, but whew, Rosie has had a bad week. <laughs> um, and George is like, I didn't know what Sydney was up to. Which, like, yeah, he told... how No. He definitely knew what Sydney was up to. Um, so then Hugh takes George away and then Rosie breaks down. It's just like inconsolable. So Jack is comforting her and Franny kind of watches this for a while and just like, is like, I'm going to slip out and she leaves. <clears throat> it's awkward. You can see yeah. how upset she is. Like, I mean, you can see, well, you can see that Miss Fisher is not, is upset by the scene, you know? Yes. Yeah, definitely. <sighs> And then, sorry, that's just a really powerful scene. So then back at the ranch, Mary has given birth, and Prudence is just very taken with this little baby. (laughs) Who wouldn't be? And then, well, Friday wouldn't be. She's like, are they always so red? (laughs) Um, And then this is where Prudence informs Friday of her decision to take Mary in, um, because of course she's going to, and also her flummery is quite good. Um, and then they leave Dot with the, the little newborn and Hugh shows up and Hugh's in really a bit of a, he's, he's a very reflective mood and he's just like, he's just really kind of down. He's like, there's so much bad in the world. How can I come home to you and our kids? And like, you could, this could have been like, you could have met the same fate if you had never met Miss Fisher and Dot's, you know, gives the case that there's so much good in the world. Look at this baby. So it's, it's kind of a nice, it's a nice scene with them. It is nice. And then, oh, and then outside, Jack's just sitting in his car. Ooh, he's, this is, he's making an important decision. This is his first time really, you know. Nope. He's just sitting in the car looking at the house. What is he going to do? Making up his mind. And then he comes, we see this little, like, kind of hesitant knock on the door. And Friday's heading up to bed in her her fa- that fabulous robe, 
And she hears the knock on the door, lets him in. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Is it too late? And she says, never. It's never too late. <laughs> never too late. And then he's like, yeah, um, I was with Rosie. And Franny's like, she needed you, Jack Robinson, the man who always does the right thing, the noble thing. And then he says, not always. And they get so close to kissing. So close to kissing. And then cock block number two. <laughs> Prudence. And Prudence. Just strides in. Oh, did I hear the baby? You oh. knew you didn't hear the baby. You heard the deep voice of a man, a grown man. <laughs> and like, literally, this the, the sexual tension in this scene is so thick. You could like cut it with a knife. I, I had to go back and watch it again. I love this scene. It's just like so palpable. Where just, I've like, watched it several times. <laughs> three times. And actually, I had to go out while I was watching this episode to review for the podcast. I had to go out and buy some replacement parts for the sexual tension meter because, as you know, yeah, the tension was so thick that it the needle just jumped off the track <laughs> and it broke. So that was, I mean, you know. Where did you get the replacement parts? Like at Radio Shack, I assume? At um, Home Depot, yeah. Home Depot, yeah, yeah. They, they carry stuff like that. Yeah. Less shopping, more doing, or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> so. I just showed them the, the tension meter, and they were like, oh, yeah, aisle five, and they helped me find it. And... Oh, oh, so you need you need something for your sexual tension meter. Yeah, yep. Yeah. You know, just they, how to help you. And the funny thing is, when I came in and I showed it to the woman, um, she was like, oh, have you been watching Miss Fisher's Murder <laughs> Mysteries? And I was like, yeah, season two. And she was like, episode 12? Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, she knew exactly what I was talking about. So... Oh, <laughs> then, then the, the, it's just, it's just another one. Yeah. Prudence comes in and then what does Jack do? But the noble thing. And, and he, he steps out that door. He steps oh. out that door. I like the way they pretend though, that they've been discussing some kind of crime detail. And they're like, yes, no, I'm glad got like, that. Well, thank you for clearing that up. But I also think it's sort of like, it's, they're alluding to the fact that they've cleared up what the intentions are. And I, yes, you know, that is detail that has been cleared up. And then it's going to take them a while to kind of get it over the finish line. But see, when I watched this episode for the first time, I was like, finally. And then Jack just walks out the door. I'm like, wait, what? No, I know. Right. Come back. Come yeah. back here. <laughs> and then I was so psyched about this that I then immediately went and watched Murder Under the Mistletoe, the Christmas special. And I was really disappointed. And I understand where they did that because, you know, they couldn't have something big happen in this like bonus Christmas episode. But, you know, it, I was expecting more from that. <laughs> I just I don't think I'll ever recapture the feeling of watching the show for the first time. And and like just I'm like, oh. Oh, it's going to happen. And then it doesn't. And it's just, like you said, you're just like, you're I'm like, I have to watch the next episode right now. Oh, and, like, yeah. After episode after episode. And, like, oh, my God. Yeah. I almost wish I just skipped the Christmas episode and gone straight to season three, episode one, because that's a real banger. I love that episode. Yes. I can't wait to review that. Soon. Very soon. <laughs> <sighs> And then it's just over. See, now I'm sort of getting in my, like, getting so excited. But then I, I just know it's going to be over so soon. But then we'll have the movie, so. Yeah, we'll have the movie. All right, well, that wraps us up. Murder recap? 
Yes, okay. So Sidney Fletcher of the Shiny Suits has established a human trafficking ring with Perpetua at the Magdalene Laundry and Captain Devere of a Belgian merchant ship. Um, so Sydney IDs the best girls uh, at the laundry through his work with the Gratitude Foundation. Um, so he's just a certified snake. Um, mm-hmm. And then Devere pays Perpetua 10 pounds for each girl. Also a snake. Sydney has kept this all under wraps because he has bought the stolen box from the brothel earlier in the season. And in that box, he had dirt on the chief commissioner of police. However, George catches on to his plot, confronts him, at which point Sidney offers him a bribe. He'll bring down the chief commissioner so that George can be in charge, as long as he continues to keep this, this trafficking ring under wraps. However, Joan, Aunt Prudence's maid, overhears them talking about this at the dinner. So she's abducted because she overheard this, and her glasses are left in Devere's car during the abduction. Then Bernadette, another girl from the laundry, is also abducted, finds Joan's glasses, escapes back to the laundry, leaves the glasses and the clue with the car and the name of the captain in the penitence room. However, since she's escaped and knows too much about the ring, she's taken back to the ship in the middle of the night. Um, This is presumably uh, facilitated by Perpetua. Um, and then Devere murders her in his cabin and doesn't clean up the obvious evidence of which <laughs> he manages to um, rip both rip the tag out of her dress and leave it there. Leave it on the floor for Miss Fisher to find. Um, so then her body is found in the river by Don Hugh, uh, which leads to the investigation. It's interesting that they kill Bernadette but not Joan. When it's like, why would why would they kill? Just one, but not the one who overheard everything and knows their identities. Well, I think they abducted Joan because she, like, they were originally planning to abduct Joan, but they abducted her because she overheard this conversation. But they killed Bernadette because she had gone back to the convent, so they were worried she was going to escape again and, and, like, rat on them. Yeah, I guess I just would also be worried that Joan would rat on them, but maybe because they knew that without her glasses, she'd be like a blind vole just burrowing. (laughs) Anyway. Anyways, yes. Um, so that's, that's that. All right. So best outfit? I had the, the robe, the cockfighting robe, which I know you've picked as best outfit before, but I haven't picked yet. So I'm picking it. Oh yeah. And at the end that she's yeah. wearing at the end. Yeah. I thought there were some really good outfits in this episode. I had a hard time picking cause like some of my favorite hats are appearing. Mm-hmm. And then, um, as a runner up, I really like the black sort of robe dress that she wears with the embroidered collar and like the collar that sort of extends oh, down the yeah, front. Yeah. Um, but my favorite is the lacy jacket that she wears. Um, it She's worn this before, I think. And it's I think it's um, during this a scene in the kitchen with Sess and Bert. Anyway, it's like a blue jacket that's lace and it's got these little like things on the front that looks like amber um like clips that are t- like clipped either side of the front of the jacket with like fringe oh, hanging down yeah 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 forgive that extremely detailed account but it, I, that no, it helped me it. remember what you're talking about <laughs> so that was good <laughs> yeah yeah um what about worse outfit um so then i just had like the ugly dresses that those poor convent girls were forced to wear like mary's ugly brown oh, yeah, dress it's bad yeah I what about think- you Sydney's suit, um, which I know I've picked before, but it's bad <laughs> enough to win twice. <laughs> oh my gosh, too bad it doesn't make a third appearance because it would be like three strikes at that point. Well, he's already out out of the game, so. Yeah, true. Um, best week. I had Mary. 
because she gets a placement with Prudence. She has her baby and she's really worried. Like a lot of things that she's worried about, she doesn't have to be worried about anymore. That's yeah. I also had Mary rescued from obscurity and abuse, but I think just for the sake of variety, I'm going to make a last minute switch and say Miss Fisher, because you know, she's finally, she's bait. She's set the bait on the hook. She put it in the water. She got him and she's reeling him in. You know? Yep. And they've, they've cleared up that detail at the end. So they cleared up that detail. Yeah. Details cleared up. It's only going to take about seven more episodes to steal that deal. So, you know, <laughs> after what, oh, I mean, what we, we've had like, we've had like 24 episodes now, or how, I don't remember oh. how many there were in season one, but uh, it's been a long time long coming. In season one, yeah. Yeah. Um, worst week? Um, I had Rosie. Ugh. Yeah, same. Yeah. Not a good week for Rosie. Like, she realizes, so her husband or her fiance is a human trafficker and total scumbag. Yeah, a child sex trafficker. One has to wonder how she didn't figure that out earlier. Yeah, like, it seems like maybe you guys don't know each other well enough to get married. Like, you didn't realize that he was an actual criminal in, like, sort of the worst kind of way. Definitely uh, the worst kind, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, just, ugh. Yeah. Um, and then also her dad is complicit in the whole thing. And is, like, is brought down from his, like, his position as chief commissioner and is also a scumbag. And then her ex-husband, who, like, comforts her, she knows that he's, he's, like, he's way over her and moved on to this other woman who's, like, has cooler hats. It's not good. And it- is also definitely smarter because she never would have she never would have been fooled by these disgusting criminal men. She right, she saw Sydney Fletcher right away, even if she didn't know about the like child sex trafficking. Like Miss Fisher never would have fallen for Sydney. Yeah, before she knew he's a now known criminal. Um, yeah, I, I had Rosie as well. Yeah. What about skill of the week? Um. So for skill of the week, I had rowing a boat. <laughs> that's true we've never seen her do that before it was not it wasn't a great one i put rope ladder scaling rope ladder scaling okay because like that can be kind of hard i don't know i i feel like i originally thought of something else and then i couldn't remember what it was um she she doesn't do a ton of new stuff in this episode yeah she definitely exhibits skills but there's skills we've seen her do before yeah um, what about the murder? I gave it a one. Like, you just kill this child that you're trafficking because she escaped? It's just, ugh. Yeah, He's, I think it's, I mean, it's just, it's literally just drowning, so. Well, I think he beat her to death in his office and then threw her in the water. Oof, gross. Well, I gave it a two because it showed a lack of originality. Yeah. Um, what about sexual tension? Sexual what tension. Now that you've, uh, you've repaired it at Home Depot. <laughs> yeah, well, once I repaired the meter, it did show 17, all caps, S-E-V-E-N, teen, 17. Oh, wow, I've got to, I've got to fix my scale, because I put it at a 9.5. Well, perhaps the, your meter is actually correct, and mine is just still broken, and I haven't noticed yeah, I think you need to recalibrate yours. Mine is still on a 10 scale. Um, yeah, I need to hit tear on the sexual tension meter. <laughs> <laughs> Although, frankly, I don't know. I don't know. This is that scene at the end is maybe the because like later on when they like 
I, I don't know if I should spoil it for people and watch the whole show, but like when they actually do kiss, it's not as tense as this moment. No, I I mean, and I prefer this kind of tension to the yeah. point where it actually kind of happens. You know, that's that's just my preferred genre of romance. Like, I don't like those books where it's like the, they've just been together for like a million years and they're just like kissing and, oh, I love you so much. Like, no, give me the tension. Like, give me the will they or won't they. That's what I want. Don't give oh, me that yeah. they already did. That's not interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. The scene at the end, I don't know. It might be a 10. I had it a 9.5, but I mean, you had it a 17. So maybe that's just what it is. If that's what the meter says, you know, that's what it is. Well, I mean, it wasn't even just the scene at the end. It was also the tie scene, which is <sighs> almost as steamy as the Roman soldier scene. Oh, but that scene might, I mean... That seems really sexy. Yeah. And listeners, you can let us know which one you thought was sexier by filling out our poll. Everyladyneedsahobby.com slash poll. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps us up, I think. It does. Please fill out the poll. Uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, please rate and subscribe on iTunes. That does make a difference. And we love hearing from you. So please send us your thoughts, your feelings, your corrections, and your hate mail. Bring on the hate mail, I say. Bring on. <laughs> Yeah, we can take it. But but also, you know, fill out the listener poll. Yeah, that's what we really want. <laughs> rather than the hate mail. We'd rather you fill out the listener poll. Yeah. Um, and then next up we'll have Miss Fisher's Modern Murder Mysteries episode three with our co-host Maddie. So stay tuned for that in your feed and we'll see you at Miss FisherCon. Or we'll hear from you in our listener poll. Hooray! Looks like there is a highly successful 24-hour challenge this year. Genevieve, I think you watched the wrong episode.